You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, I pray at this time that in the end, not my words would remain, but the living word, Jesus, your Son, would abide with us. And I ask all this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you along with me this morning to reflect on this portion of Matthew's Gospel, the 17th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, the moment of the transfiguration of Jesus. Uh, And as we begin this, I'll say about this particular moment, it, it seems in many ways to us so foreign and so other. Jesus taking his disciples with him up onto the mountaintop and being transfigured Um, before them, his face shining, light emanating from him. Uh, It sounds, again, so very spiritual, so very supernatural, so very other, but what I would contend is that it has a very real and applicable word um, to you and to me today as we reflect um, on this. One of the things I have been um, doing at the moment is uh, listening to um, Anne Lamott's book, Bird by Bird, um, and it is a book on writing, um, and uh, she has some wonderful words of wisdom, and one of the things she wonderfully, lovingly rails against is the tyranny of perfectionism um, and its um, absolute unattainability. In one of her encouragements to writers, uh, she apparently teaches classes, and of course, what people come and want to know is not how to write well, but how to get published. Um, and so that speaks to the human condition, doesn't it? Not that I love this, not that I want to do well. How do I get, um, how do I get published? And in one of her chapters, she is making a, an appeal for a terrible first draft, um, just making that terrible first draft and getting it going. And in that chapter, she says some words that I think are applicable to the Christian life, uh, to what a life of faith looks like, and I think they're applicable to this portion that we're going to reflect on this morning. And she's actually quoting another author, E.L. Doctorow is the person that she is quoting, who said at one time that writing a novel is like driving a car at night. You can see only as far as the headlights, but you can make the whole trip that way. writing a novel, and, and she would go on to say, and I agree with her, that, that faith is in many ways like that. It's, it's resonant, isn't it, of those words from the psalmist, your, your word uh, is a light um, unto my feet, uh, in essence, uh, giving us um, not the whole picture, but giving us the next step, and yet that next step and the next step and the next step is enough to take us um, the entire way. And the transfiguration comes at a moment in the life and ministry of Jesus and his followers when they need a word of encouragement. They need a word of light. They need the next step um, along their journey. And important to give a word of context, what we read here comes immediately after a time of sort of tremendous um, success and failure almost simultaneously, and isn't that life? Um, We have the high moment almost immediately preceded by that of the low, they're in Caesarea Philippi, uh, and a place which would be representative of what we would call a theology of glory, uh, of of human accomplishment and acquisition and control, uh, a pantheon of gods, the worship of the emperor. And in the midst of that context of Caesarea Philippi, uh, Jesus asked the question of the disciples, and perhaps you remember, who do people say that I am? 
uh, and that is a softball to begin the conversation. And you remember their response. Some say Moses, some Elijah, one of the prophets. And Jesus says, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And you may remember uh, that Peter says, you are the Christ I'm the son of the living God. Uh, that is the, the high moment uh, as Peter makes that word of confession. He makes that word of affirmation. And if you remember, immediately after Peter says, you are the Christ, I'm the son of God, Jesus says, you're quite right. But then there are the words that are shocking to Peter. And they're words that are shocking to you and to me. The way that God will manifest his glory, the way that God will accomplish our redemption and our salvation. The way that God will make a way for us is a surprising way. Uh, And it is through suffering. uh, And it is through the cross. Jesus will say to people that the Son of Man will suffer, that he will be rejected, that he will be killed, and that on the third day um, he will be raised again. Uh, And of course, Peter um, draws Jesus aside uh, to tell him that he's getting it all wrong. And again, we can roll our eyes at Peter, right? Peter, Peter, um, Peter. But let me ask you, don't we all do the same thing? Maybe we're not quite uh, as as bold, but don't we all in our our thoughts and our prayers call God aside and say, you know what, God, I think you should reconsider. Um, uh, I have an idea uh, and I'd like to float it uh, and I would like for you to consider... um, acting in my moment in my life uh, in this uh, particular way. Um, And if you want to admit it, I'll admit it for all of us. (laughs) We do. We do it. We say, God, let me pull you aside. Uh, And of course, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for these, uh, what you're talking about are the ways of man and they're not of the ways of God. So I would contend to you um, at this particular moment, uh, and Jesus says, What does it look like to follow me? It's to take up your cross and to follow me, for in losing your life uh, is where you'll actually find it. Uh, In losing your life, um, your life will actually be restored and your life will actually be saved. And that is a truth uh, and a profound truth, and yet it's certainly a word of paradox, uh, is it not? Because I would contend, and you're welcome to agree or disagree with me, that that much um, of our life Uh, is controlled by fear, uh, by fear more than love. Uh, And much of our life uh, is uh, our various efforts um, to avoid suffering and ultimately to avoid death. Uh, And as Jesus says this, he's not calling us um, to uh, some sort of um, masochism, uh, but it's an actual call um, to what real life looks like. And real life is found ultimately in him and not what we can control. And as I say, I think we're all in some ways trying to deal with the issue um, of suffering and death, and it's just a matter of how we go about it in our lives, what the manifestation um, looks like. Uh, and as I say this, um, uh, it's, it's funny, as I thought about this this morning, of course, as I was driving down um, to church this morning, you know, it was uh, just absolutely frigid, 50 degrees. Um, so I, I, I put my seat warmer on, and not only that, but um, the, the steering wheel warmer, less my fingers experience momentary discomfort um, as I held the wheel for the first time. It's the human condition. We're all trying in various ways and means um, to avoid it um, in our lives. Uh, And this word comes to them and they are jarred. But amazingly, we see revealed here 
the gracious character of God in relationship with you and with me. Because going back to the context that we were talking about, Peter, I'm calling Jesus aside, Peter trying to deny him and to redirect him. And what does, Jesus ta- what does Jesus do six days later? Who does he take with him to the mountaintop? He takes Peter uh, along with him. And let me ask you, uh, and, and don't worry, this is a rhetorical question, how long do you hang on to grudges? And I would contend probably more than six days. Um, and maybe some of us are looking to one another <laughs> right now and thinking, I remember um, when. And I'm embarrassed to say this. I can think back to elementary school um, slides, and I can say, I can remember that guy. Um, I, I mean, is, is, that, is that sad? But it's true. I can remember um, that far back. And it's amazing that I have a more difficult time remembering my slides um, and the ways that I hurt others, but I can remember um, the ones that I experienced. But what's the nature and the character of God like? Jesus takes Peter um, along with him, uh, along with James and John. Uh, Peter's momentary failure, his momentary misunderstanding, Jesus doesn't say, well, you know what, you're out. Um, uh, I'm done with you. Uh, we see the wonderful, gracious nature and character of God that Peter has taken along with him. And then, of course, we hear that Jesus is transfigured before him. The light emanates from him. They, they see uh, him in a new light. And in response, Peter and the others don't know what to do. Uh, and Peter begins to make suggestions, and he begins um, with the flurry of activity and the offering, should Jesus, should you like, will build um, booze. And that's so the human um, condition to try to address the moment with activity. And then, of course, the cloud, we're told, is Peter is still speaking. (laughs) As he's still speaking, God appears um, once again, and the voice comes from the cloud. And what do they do? Quite rightly, they fall upon their face uh, with fear and trembling. Uh, They are words that are resonant uh, of the Old Testament, of uh, God giving the law to Moses uh, on the mountain, Uh, And God speaking in words, uh, booming words and thunder and lightning and the people being warned not to touch um, the holy mountain and not to go near it. And so they understandably fall upon their faces, afraid that they're going to be consumed and destroyed in the presence uh, of God and God's holiness uh, in the midst of them. And in this moment, we see Jesus. uh, And what does Jesus do? For starters, he takes Peter and the others along with them that they might receive that perfect timing of the encouragement and the revelation of who God is um, in the midst of them. And even when it's too much for them in that moment and they fall um, upon their faces in fear and trembling, what does Jesus do? He does not tolerate them. He comes and he touches them. It's not mere toleration. We see that Jesus comes And he puts his hand upon them. And he says to them, rise and have no fear. Rise and have no fear. It's a word that God speaks to you and to me because, again, that is often that which drives our lives, our desire to avoid um, suffering, our desire to control um, death, our, our fear of so many things in our lives. And the nature and the character of God is, uh, is to recognize that about us and to come to speak a word of light into the darkness, to come to speak a word of truth, to come to speak a word um, of restoration. What we have in this moment of the transfiguration is, again, God's perfect timing 
coming to them in the moment in which they deeply needed it, uh, and giving a preview uh, of the resurrection. And as I say all of this to you this morning, the, the reason that this is real and certain and true is not the sincerity with which it's expressed, but the verifiable act of the resurrection, that Jesus did, in fact, walk through suffering and death, that he did, in fact, once and for all defeat them. And what's given to you and to me as, as Christians, as people of the resurrection, is that strength and that assurance for our lives. That's what enables us to take up our cross. That's what makes it the way of life rather than the way of burden. It's the realization that all these vain attempts to fashion something for ourselves that will last forever that never will, and we're called to engage. Uh, Wonderfully, we're called to engage. We're called um, to act, and yet what God gives us in himself in Jesus is something which cannot be taken away, is something which is actual, true, Um, and certain security that enables us to take the next step uh, in our lives and the next uh, and the next, knowing that, as he said, um, that he is with us and that he goes before us, that we can come to him when we're weary and we're heavy laden, that he's come that we might have life and have it in the fullest, that he's come to give us his joy and that in his joy being given to us, um, our joy might be complete. The nature and the character of God is to come uh, into our fragmented lives, which we're trying to restore ourselves and restore him in himself in Jesus, and his being broken um, for us upon the cross, and his being raised uh, from the dead. Uh, you and I are wonderfully um, restored. And I pray that as we hear that this day, we will know always the nature and the character of our God, uh, who is gracious, uh, whose timing is perfect, who invites us to this way of the cross, not in order that we might be destroyed, but order that we might be made in a way which is everlasting. And as we hear that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, you know our our, our needs. Uh, You know the ways we try to control, the ways we try to avoid. You know all those things about us. And you seek us in the love and grace and the gift of Jesus, your Son. By the work of your Spirit, draw us to you this day that we might find in you Um, our strength, um, and our life. And all this I ask, all this I offer, in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.